0: Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You, you, you have great personality.
1: You can hear it in your voice. So you date an NBA player? I'm open to anything, but He's, respect. Old school. Civilary. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept that. <laughs> so <laughs> I hear you're single, but... <laughs> With your host... Elliot Anderson
0: Stop it now behind his
2: head. Sekou Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our First guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, Average. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we would win a lot. <laughs> and it's it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey Too. Can I say this first? <laughs> you know you. When I started covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip off. Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast, right here, coming to you live from headquarters here in Atlanta, Georgia. Taken Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker in smoldering hot New York, triple digits. You, you, you sitting on a block of ice, or you got a bag of ice near you?
2: I am uh, sitting around watching the NBA Summer League all day long on NBA TV. Uh, and, did you get uh, your league pass? Your summer league pass <laughs> for 4 I'm, I'm just watching it on TV. Tell me I... why they
1: didn't just round it off to $5. Because
2: <laughs> 4 is a bargain.
1: Well, yeah, but then that other one cent could have gone to our broadcast podcast.
2: <laughs> we, should call, we, should
1: call it, we should call it a prod, because we're in the NBA. We're pros. So instead of podcast, it should be P-R-O-D. Podcast. podcast
0: As usual, mm-hmm. spicing things up. Hey, Rick, you're in Boston. How hot is it in Boston, man? Um, it says, according to the air
1: condition, 72 degrees. Yeah, I'm tired of this nonsense about heat waves in the Midwest and out east. Hey, we got heat waves down here. Are you going to Vegas? Either one of you going to Vegas?
2: Say cool is. Say cool.
1: Say, say cool. You better stay cool because it is blistering. I'm talking 118, 117. You don't go outside for more than two minutes, man. To go to the car, So I thought how at
2: the blackjack tables.
0: I'm like I'm like a uh, true blood when I go to Vegas, dude. I only come out late at night. <laughs> <laughs> even that, that it's
1: still 105. You can bring your sunglasses, chief. It's blistering.
0: Yes, I only go out when absolutely necessary, and I wear all my favorite short sleeves. You know, vacation shirts. And uh, anybody anybody looking for me does not need to look at the casino floor or anywhere else. Just Whatever the coldest room in the building is,
1: that's where i was going to be. Well, the coolest place in all of Las Vegas was in Cox Pavilion and Thomas and Mac because the shooting percentages there were horrible. <laughs> it was <laughs> not pretty. Yo, I, 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 I detected a, a very sincere tone of
0: disappointment. Well, uh, let's, you know no, watching guys, you on on the broadcast, you look you like I felt like you were a little let down by the performances out there. Well, I tried,
2: so I, keep, you I didn't you didn't even get you didn't get that excited when uh, who was that somebody banged on another guy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jeffrey Taylor. No, I yeah,
1: did, I, I had two moments of sheer joy and and a feeling of wow, this could be this could be a regular season season moment, right? And one was when Jeffrey Taylor just. Jeffrey Taylor and Corey Joseph, both of them, with about a minute left in the game, the first game we called, Jeffrey Taylor banged uh, Swedish Viking style on someone's head. and Then he hit a go-ahead three-pointer, and then Corey Joseph came down and hit a game winner all in a minute. And I thought, wow, that was, that was pretty exciting. And then the rest of Summer League for me was all downhill until the last <laughs> corner of Summer League when we got to interview Anthony Bennett. Right. Yeah, first interview since he was drafted. It's pretty cool.
0: So what'd you think of it? I mean, that's to me, Lane, I don't know about you, but that's some of the best stuff on the summer league broadcast too, is all the interviews that you get. You know, you get to hear from all the GMs, the coaches, star players who stumble into the gym. I mean, it's, I love the, the chance to get camera time with all those dudes, just to listen to what they have to say and get some of the observations. But Rick, what'd you think of the number one pick in the draft?
1: Well, you know, he's, uh, he's from Toronto, uh, Canadian, Right. uh, obviously made the whole nation proud. I, you know, he, he would have loved to have been playing, but he's rehabbing the shoulder and isn't allowed to actually get out. But he looked in pretty good shape. He looked in better shape than some of his highlights. So I'm sure, you know, he's been doing whatever he can do on a bike or or conditioning in terms of uh, trying to be as prepared as he can be. He's just not allowed to play. Uh, I thought he was as humble and as, as appreciative of, of the honor to be drafted number one and. I don't know. I've seen a couple of the uh, draft picks, but I didn't see a ton of them uh, around Summer League. A lot of them injured. Some of them played in Orlando. Uh, But he was the highlight by far for me, and he wasn't even on the court. (laughs)
0: Lang, I've heard people comparing him to, which I think is a a little far-fetched, but comparing him to Larry Johnson and, you know, making the UNLV connection. How good, how good do you think he ends up being based on what we know of him now and the little bit we've seen of him from his college days?
2: I don't think he ends up being Larry Johnson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no grandma <mom> commercials. <laughs> which way are you tipping,
0: better or worse?
2: Worse. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think oh he's going to be LJ. I mean, he, you he have didn't – he didn't take UNLV to the NCAA championship game, did but he? But he
1: also didn't have St- St- Stacy Ogman, oh, Greg Anthony. Uh, that's A- fair. with A- 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 Larry Tarkanian. <laughs> Shall I go on? I-, I actually lost in the game previous to Duke beating them in the final. <laughs> he
2: actually he actually did have Stacy Augman because I didn't Augman an assistant coach now at, at UNLV. <laughs> very
1: funny there, language,
2: very funny. is. I just think, no, I, look, I mean, everyone said this was a down draft, and so I, I just – I didn't really watch him play that much in college at all, so I I didn't see that much of him. But from the highlights I saw, I, I, he doesn't seem to be the, the kind of um, athlete LJ was combined with the size uh, and the sort of trans, transcendent athlete LJ was before his back problems. Uh, I think he could be a really good player for Cleveland. I think he, they need that guy who can pick and pop and hit those jump shots, though. But – um I don't want to get Canada on my back, so <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> I say he'll, he'll be a. Uh, I think he'll contribute and be a good player, and and I think he'll contribute right away, which is I think why they went after him instead of taking like a Noel and, and waiting for him to get healthy.
1: Well, I saw a couple other top ten guys. I saw Ben Mac uh, who's not gun shy. No, he, he, <laughs> in the two games I saw him, I think he was ten for forty something. Um, oh. And, and it's not for a lack of, you know, uh, looking like he can shoot the basketball. It just hadn't been going down for him, but he kept firing away. Um, and then I saw Cody Zeller. He had a nervous first game, but a second really impressive game. You could see his, his face to basket and his athleticism skills. actually may end up, you know, giving Charlotte at the fourth pick. Look, look, it may look like they get a, you know, first or top, you know, top five rookie first team uh, uh, player, so... Those are the two other guys I saw. Ray McCullum? Who that kid might be a steal.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. he might be a steal for Sacramento. Well, he was uh, he was solid. His dad was at the game. Still you could see he was the son of a of a head coach and a point guard that understood how to run a team.
2: To be fair, didn't Ben McInmore had a huge game, I think, last night. Oh, or... did he? Yeah, he th- broke okay, out, huh? What did he do? I think he finished with he shot 57% from the field.
1: Oh, good. Good for
2: him. Yeah. Um, you know, Seiko and I actually talked earlier in the week about his boy, Trey Burke. Because <laughs> I watched uh, a lot of those Orlando games, and uh, Burke really struggled in the Orlando Summer League. And uh, so we had some discussions about, Sekou, you, you weren't too worried about it, were you? No, I'm,
0: I mean, I, I understand that there are going to be some transition issues for any player, especially – a point guard who's a, who's somewhat undersized, and uh, but I'm confident that you know his work ethic and the fact that he's going to get every chance to be successful in Utah. Will I'm not I'm not expecting his summer league shooting percentage to be the defining moment of his career. Is all I was saying, but it,
2: there there are
0: concerns and surprises and everything you you know you get a chance to look at when you see these guys in summer league. Um, you know I was I was bashing on uh, Lang's Hawks, Rick while watching them play uh, the other day, we were talking and joking back and forth, you know. Um, because some of these guys, you watch them and it's like, how did this dude get on a summer league roster? you know? And then other guys you watch and go, what's he doing on a summer league roster? Like, well, I, I didn't realize this guy had fallen into that predicament where he's, you know, forced to make an impact in summer league to get a look either internationally or to find his way on somebody's training camp roster. But, yeah,
1: we had a guy like that in Dominic Jones. Third year, you yeah. know, out of Dallas. And initially, the first few games I saw him play, I'm thinking to myself, why isn't he, why isn't he in the league? And, you know, there, you know, there must be a reason for that. I mean, when you land three years in, in Dallas and they waive you in that third year. Right. Uh, but Andrew Godlock, Andrew Godlock was blowing up. Andrew Godlock, uh, you know, last year was on the Lakers Summer League team and horrible experience for all of them put together. But man, did he come out for the Chicago Bulls and just exploded on the scene for 24 and then 31 the night, the last night I saw him play. He he has an opportunity with the with the uh, absence uh, now, the departure of Marco Bellinelli, uh to San Antonio and Rip Hamilton being waived. He's got a chance to come in there and maybe grab a, a backup shooting guard role to Jimmy
2: Butler. Right. Yeah. Well, Burke finished 13 of 54 from the field, one for 19 on three pointers in four games in Orlando. Uh, and watching him play, I told Sikri, he actually reminded me body type and just, you know, he's, he's a little small, but he reminded me a little bit of Derek Fisher um, in the weight, his size. And I was wondering if, you know, that's a kind of player he could sort of emulate to find success. Cause he, he wasn't able to finish at the rim against the bigger players. And, um, and watching him was a guy we talked about another guy we talked about. I don't know. Did you see my man, Dennis Schroeder, Play out in Vegas. I heard good things
1: about him. I didn't do an Atlanta Hawks game, but I heard he was he was really good too. Well, that's your loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have my league summer league pass, so I will be watching the tournament on your uh, on your on your tablet device. No, on my phone actually. I'm going to go oh. smaller than my tablet. Nice.
0: To <laughs> eyes <you>. even more. <laughs> I didn't. Uh... I I don't know. I'm I'm so skeptical of the performances we see at Summer League because some of these guys it's not the predicament they're gonna be in. It's not the, the situation they're gonna be in coming come the season. So I don't need I don't need Dennis Schroeder to run the team right now to me. You know, if Jeff Teague's coming back, you know, after the Hawks match that, that opportunity sheet he got from the Bucks, well that takes all the pressure off Schroeder, you know, to to run this team. He's gotta be able to learn and 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 hone his craft over the next couple of years and become a quality backup. He doesn't have to come in and be the the catalyst for the Hawks. So, I mean, uh, these are pressures that a lot of these guys are never going to see in the league, you know. Uh, what's, what's his name for uh, Bullock from the uh, Clippers? Like, he looks great. You know, I watched him his first game. He looks great. He's firing away, sh- shooting it from all over. And I'm thinking, where's he going to get minutes on that Clippers roster? You know, how hard is it going to be for him to fight to find a, you know, a spot in that rotation come regular season? So you get excited for summer league for what could be, you know, in a few years for some of these guys. Not necessarily what will become
2: training camp.
1: Right. I'll tell you who I saw that's going to give him minutes. Uh, Balanchunas for Toronto. Yeah. He, uh, he started a number of uh, games and, and looked vastly improved, uh, was getting a lot of offensive looks. Uh, if, he, if he develops a little 14, 15-footer because he faces up and he pump fakes a lot and then he goes into this whirling dervish spin thing he does, but if he just takes that little jump shot, he's gonna have he's gonna have a really, really nice year for the for the Raptors along with Terrence Ross.
2: Terrence Ross was there too. It might be hard for Valentinus to get playing time ahead of uh Tyler Hansbrough. There
1: you go, exactly. That's the only concern I have for him.
2: <laughs> I actually got some uh I got a couple of tweets from people uh saying that we need to keep an eye on Valentinus for muscle watch this year because he apparently put on about fifteen pounds of muscle it yeah. looked like yeah, yeah, he looks good. He looks really. good. All like
0: that good food in uh, Toronto. All like that good eating.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, muscle... actually, Rick, somebody I should ask about Muscle Watch. It's something that for years I, I've always my friends and I noticed fifteen years ago, maybe. Uh, whenever guys would come back from the summer, the guys who would, like put in time working out over the summer, it would always say they added. 15 pounds of muscle in the paper. It would never say 10 pounds. It was never 7 pounds. It was never 17 pounds. It was always 15 pounds of muscle. And and so we started just keeping track of it every year. And uh, (laughs) and you'll see it every year. Like every year, as soon as training camp starts, we start muscle watch. And we just look for the 15 pounds of muscle. So apparently Valanchunas is on it. Um, I saw someone else. I'm trying to remember who it was who looked like they might be someone we should – oh, Ricky Rubio has put on some muscle. I don't know if he's up to 15 yet, but he's probably up around 7 or 8. So we got to keep an eye out for the 15 pounds of muscle. Well, you know,
1: anything over 15 pounds, anything in the 18 to 20-pound range, then you start talking PED. So
0: you right. always have to say 15 <laughs> pounds. <It's> 15, <laughs> because, 15. is safe, like, a middle ground,
2: so you don't get in trouble. to get
0: like, like, a little work.
2: Yeah, you only have, like, four months, because it's, yeah. you know, from the end of the season to the next season. So maybe 15 is, like, the limit of... Of, uh, of what the human body can do over that time period. Believably can do. Well, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, we, we kind of buried the lead today on the podcast here. I, I can't believe it took us this long to get to it. Metal um, World Peace is coming to New York, language. Like. I mean, are the streets on fire with metal Where's, homecoming?
2: <laughs> Everybody say Queensbridge. <laughs> Wait, everyone says what, Queensbridge? <laughs> Queensbridge. Remember, he made Craig Sager say Queensbridge with him after one of those games. <laughs> uh, I think it's a long time coming. I know when you know when he came out of St. John's, people wanted the Knicks to get him, uh, and uh, he ended up in Chicago. and, and since then, everyone's been kind of wondering: at some point, would this happen? It was. It felt sort of inevitable that he was going to end up on the Knicks at some point. Uh, I think Knicks fans for a long time. You, I mean, even now, you still hear him talk about they need a Charles Oakley type. They need a tough guy. They need a guy who's not afraid to mix it up, not yeah. afraid to be physical inside. And, and I think that's the role that uh, Metal World Peace could play with the Knicks. I, he's not the player he was, what, five, ten years ago or with the, the Pacers, but uh, I still think he can be physical and, and make himself a presence on the inside with the Knicks.
1: Well, Jesus is a fire. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> Look, good for him, man. I know he said uh, he was going to China and, and uh, wanted to go <laughs> play some arena football. You know what? That's that's the benefit of of feigning a little lunacy every once in a while. People don't, you know, people don't know whether to believe you or not. And he, in just enough time to figure yeah. out if he was serious, he clears waivers and gets to go where he wants to go. So, yeah. I, I I I look for the pairing of uh, of Metta World Peace and J.R. Smith, uh, and. Woo seeing them wreak havoc in that second year, you know, potentially, you know, he may start. Yeah.
0: I, I like, I like what they've done. I mean, I think, uh, I think Meta gives them an edge that they, that they didn't have or that they lacked in the playoffs and things went sideways. But my concern is how much, how much does Meta's personality and the way he likes to operate, Clash with Mike Woodson in the way he
2: likes
0: Alfred, and I'm sure you know everybody will say the right things, but I got to see it in action. You know, I mean, I got to see this team with some different chemistry than what they had last year. See how it all works out. You know Woody, you know, you
2: know, you know Woody as well as anyone. I mean, don't you think that as a guy who like is obsessed with defense and that's all he talks about, then he's going to love Meta.
0: Oh, I, don't think, I don't think there's going to be an issue with him he and Meta in terms of how they view the game and the philosophy they have on the court. I'm saying I think Meta's eccentric behavior, at times, eccentric behavior would be something that would have to be watched. And, you know, Meta's going to be. The other thing is, and, and Rick, think about this. Meta's going to be at home, with New York, playing. You know what I'm talking about. He's going to have that extra, I don't want to say pressure, but he's going to have that extra element added to the situation. So, I mean, I, I just think it's something... I'm not saying it's going to be a bad thing. I'm just saying I can't wait to
1: see how it plays out. Well, I think what we, what we buried was the lead of Meta going to the Knicks to recruit Carmelo back to the Lakers as they'll both be free agents next oh year.
0: This is just, see, this is where... <laughs> this is where the railroad tracks go off the road. Like. Rick and all these Lakers people...
1: No, I'm just saying, you know, and I think you're right about... Yeah, that is meta's ability to actually defend and i think mike woodson's gonna fall in love with with that and and meta is quite honestly a team first kind of guy he may take an errant shot here and there but he's he's definitely more easily reined in now in this later phase in his career but uh you know right right below that storyline was one that i can't help but not bring up and talk about <laughs> which is you know the talk of uh, you know the free agency class next year already starting up, with LeBron and Carmelo potentially ending up in LA, and you say there's unicorns with what did you say <laughs> and the fifth dimension pots of gold for the, for the <laughs> you don't you don't think that's a possibility at all, huh? Not really. <laughs> I,
0: mean, <laughs> you know, I mean Kobe. You think Kobe, LeBron, and Carmelo are going to um, the only way they're playing together is in, uh, with USA across their chest. Well, I don't, I, I don't see it happening any other way.
1: I mean, come on, man. I, look, I, I'm only reading the headlines. I, I, I'm, I, We're supposed to talk about what's out there. I, I, I didn't say I'm. I, I believe it's a realistic occurrence. I'm just curious to say, you know, to, to
2: see what you guys think. I seem to detect a little wistfulness in your voice. I can think of thirty teams that would wishful, would wishfully hope
1: for that scenario.
2: I don't know. It seems like there's a little bit of desperation in your voice, right? When you're discussing this. <laughs> well, look, it's going to be. An, it's
1: definitely going to be a down year for the Lakers. I know. I know. Seiko, like you said, you think that we should. You know, the Lakers should, like all other franchises go down for more than one year to...
2: i fuck
0: it up one time and, you know, be, be bad for a hot second.
2: I don't think they need to be bad. For, I mean, what if they could just be bad for one year? Yeah. Right. And this then you get bad. a lottery yeah. pick in 2014. You get Kobe coming back 100%. You get LeBron. You get Carmelo. <laughs> you, get, you get Dirk Nowitzki. Well, and, look. And, oh, my God. Even, <laughs> if, even if you don't get LeBron and Carmelo, Steve Nash is the only guy under contract after this season. So I mean, could the books are whoever you get. The books are your books could be wide open to to rebuild, and you know it would only take one year to get to that point. Uh, I, I oh, the books are going to be wide open, right?
1: So, <laughs> you see who they sign? Nothing but a bunch of one year deals.
0: But I mean, let's listen. Let's not kid ourselves. You, do you really think that Kobe and Carmel – I mean, he'd have to surrender he'd have to do what Dwayne Wade did in Miami and basically surrender his team to LeBron, Rick, for that to happen. You think he, you Kobe's ready to do
1: that? Kobe would surrender to LeBron. You think so? That'd be the only player he would surrender to.
0: Hmm. I think. Hmm.
1: Why, why wouldn't you surrender to him? You, you're going you're gonna to then win another championship, get to six, maybe seven, puts him ahead of Jordan, The only question is why would LeBron put Kobe at seven rings? Yeah. (laughs) Well.
2: well, Why why would he leave if they go back to the finals? If they win the finals, like why would he leave? Why would he leave Miami? Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: I don't think he would leave Miami if they go back to the finals and win.
2: Well, even if they go back to the finals, I don't think they go back to the finals and
1: win. I don't think they go back to the finals and win.
2: All right.
1: That's just my. I, I just think that's too hard. I think four years. Four years to the finals. I, it's not so much that LeBron couldn't get back there. I think his supporting cast aren't going to hold up.
2: Speaking of that, I was—I thought it was interesting when they amnesty Mike Miller. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a guy who started in the finals to, a month ago, and now he's not on the team anymore. So uh, that—that's going to be a tough hole for them to fill. I know he was hurt a lot, but he was a—I I, always enjoyed watching him. He was a pro's pro.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know if that. I don't know if you pull that peg and the jenga, you
2: know, blocks go yeah. down. But he no, does, I don't think they do, Had a roll. It might make him a little wobblier. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think they have though the, the Heat, and to me, this is one of the crucial things about winning consistently in a short, you know, time frame is that they've been pretty good about going out and making the right tweaks the last two, three years to keep their roster balanced and to make sure they got the right guys in the right places. I know. Mike Miller's tough, but I think they've done a pretty good job making sure you, know, you add Ray Allen, you find Birdman. I mean they've done the, the, the little things, the the nuances, the little subtle moves that have made things right for them that, that I don't think losing Mike Miller is a backbreaker, of course. You know. Right, right. Um but it is it is funny that three weeks after Pat Riley talked about not having to worry about amnesty anybody, they end up amnestying Mike Miller. That's just that's reality. for were the numbers,
1: Seiko? Cool. Cool. what were the numbers on on what it would end up costing them if they had kept him? And it like some thirty million dollars or something. $30 million
0: bucks, yeah. And then luxury tax penalties, you know, because yeah. they're over the cap, over the luxury tax, and then you know with that punitive way that they're going to start uh, charging you with the luxury tax. I mean, he's only making, and I say only, which is foolish to, for those words to come out your mouth when you're talking about you know six million bucks plus over the next two seasons, but. He's only drawing a salary of six point two million, I think, the first year, and six point six million the next year. But financially, that's a huge thirty million dollars is a huge, you know, relief for the Heat. I mean, huge relief because, like Rick mentioned, Lang, next summer, you know, LeBron, Bosh, Wade could all opt out and be free agents or whatever. They gotta have their, their books in order to make sure they keep their team intact or, or have the flexibility to rebuild it and recraft it on the floor with with all the resources needed. You know what I mean? So it's, it's an economic reality, I think, guys, that, that all of these big spenders are facing right now. I mean, I know, I know everybody jokes about Mikhail Fokerov not caring about the luxury tax, so going easy to pay. But I guarantee you, you start paying a few of those those bills, and, and it'll, it'll make sense to you. You start worrying about it. That's why you see the Lakers in the heat. You see these guys the way they had to.
2: <laughs> I hear you.
0: But uh, I mean, we talked about Meta and going to New York. Um, I mentioned Jeff Teague Lang coming back to your Hawks. Um, nobody, uh, John Schufer wrote about this. I, I got from NBA.com dot com wrote about. Anybody worried about Andre Kirilenko taking what seven million dollars less to go to Brooklyn? You know, yeah. I'm not of that deal. That that was a surprise to see that. I, I know what he said. I mean, I know his explanation is, hey, you know, I want a chance to play for a championship,
1: blah, blah, blah. blah. But $7 million, Rick? Wait, well, um, look, I mean. Rick took less. I took less, so I, I took a whole lot less than to, to, to just hope I could yeah, be a you part didn't go of a championship. To, you, didn't go to,
0: you, didn't go to, you didn't take less to skip rocks across the lake in hopes that you win a championship. You took less to go play with Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, in yeah. Their, you know, in their physical primes.
1: Right, I mean it is Come different. Um, look, uh, is there is there are there is there a relationship there? A previous relationship? I don't know. Did, he played on a, on a Russian pro team, did he not?
2: Yeah, Cheska Moscow yeah, was, I think, Moscow, his team. Yeah. Who owns that team? And, and now it's Prokhorov, but I well, I'm not sure if it still <laughs> is. But at one point, Prokhorov was involved with it.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, I I don't I look I don't like speculating, but
0: <laughs> I. Talking about you just speculate about the Lakers getting uh, nine all stars added to the roster next
1: year. For well, look, if 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 Karolinko heads home in a year or two and you see him sign back with so and so and makes 12 15 million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: then be, we got something
1: to talk about. Then we got something to talk
0: about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just throwing it out there. I mean, you know, it's been a strange summer, man. It's been Everybody was hyped up about free agency, and to me, the, the bigger moves have been trades. I mean, it's been the you know the, the players switching locker rooms based on trades. I mean, that Brooklyn, to me, as the summer wears on, the Brooklyn Celtics deal that that, that could be the one move that changes the entire complexion of the Eastern Conference race this year during the regular season, at least. You because know? if Brooklyn moves into that spot that Indiana and New York were jockeying for last year. That changes the, the playoff seeds and, and how these teams would match up down the road in the postseason. It could, be, it could be a totally different thing than we imagined when we were just looking at free agency and not thinking about, well, who's going to get traded? Who's going to pull off a blockbuster trade to make make their team better or to change the dynamics? Um, and I'm, I'm liking it more and more now that I think about KG and Pierce being added to that mix with, with Darren Williams you know Joe Johnson and Brooke Lopez. The question mark for me is Lang pointed out in uh, in the blog table on NBA.com dot com today, which I thought was hilarious, was that uh, you know, JC <laughs> JC Kidd's going to have to you know, would you say Lane? He's basically going to have to see we have to see if he
2: activates himself at some point during the season. I think, yeah, I think he's going to have to play a couple <laughs> of games. Uh, I mean, they could use him at some point. I the the other team to me that I think it made might have made uh, the biggest improvement without actually doing anything is going to be Indiana because they get Danny Granger back. That's
1: a great point, yeah. I, I don't know how he fits in the mix of that.
2: I think that they can figure out some way
1: to, get, to make him fit. I okay, mean, well, where? Where, where are you putting him? I put small forward? Small forward?
2: No, why can't you put him on one wing and put uh, Paul George well, on the other wing? And
1: and where's, yeah. and where's, Granger, where's uh, um, Weston
2: Pibber that, going? Put Hibbert on well, one side and West on the other side, and have him play pick and roll on either side of the court. I mean, so you're
1: saying, so you're saying George is going to play a two position now? I think he could. Okay. I think Paul
0: George could easily play the two.
2: Okay. Yeah. Easily.
1: easily. Uh, I don't I think he. I don't think he takes care of the ball sufficiently enough. But.
2: Uh, no one on I that team does. I think he takes care either. of it a lot
0: better than Lance
2: Stevenson. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, actually
0: he didn't.
1: <laughs> I'm saying actually, actually didn't.
2: We've or what if, you use, what if you use one of those guys, like what if you use Granger as a sixth man, you know, yeah, in the first, second I, quarter?
1: Yeah, that's where I think he goes. But, but then down the out.
2: stretch, you can you could even go offense defense with Stevenson or one of those guys.
1: I think you got a problem because both are free agents next year. Right. Granger and Paul George are both free agents, and I think
2: they're going to be jacking it. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't I know. I would, I, would I would be just, willing to go out with a, a starting five of George Hill, Danny Granger. Paul George, David West, and Roy here, but I take that I take that to the battlefield next year and see how see how it works out for Yeah. I agree. I, mean, I, I think Paul George made way too many strides this past season for us to underestimate how much more refined his game will be this season and how much better he's gonna be. People forget how good Danny Granger is when he's healthy.
2: Yeah. I think, I think he's I one think of those two things.
0: things. Two I think you get, uh, the radar. I, I mean they got some tools now.
1: I think you get a bumpy start from the Pacers. A bumpy start from them next year in the first 40 games. I think Denver, even though I got to talk to my boy B. Shaw and interview him about the Nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, J- Jared Greenberg, who who astutely pointed out that they may not make the playoffs next year. And I thought he was crazy when he first said it. Then I went back and looked at the Western Conference, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, well, hold on. You you may actually have a point here. Considering that Gallinari isn't going to be back probably till December, they lost Corey Brewer. They lost Igladala, They lost Kustis, Kufus or whatever it is, and yeah. they lost George Carl. So now you got to come in and find a system. Uh, and now you got a starting, potentially starting center in uh, McGee, who you're going to have to wrangle into playing more than 25 minutes uh, effectively. And they bring in a JJ Hickson who is solid, but is he your starting center? You know, where are you going? And so I'm really, really curious about this team to see how Brian gets them out of the gates because I asked Andre Miller the other day in an interview if he thought 57 games was out there for them yeah. still, and he said, hell no, you know that'll never happen again. I was I like, saw that. I was like, don't say that, dude.
2: That was amazing.
1: <laughs> but he never responded as if I asked him if, you know, if they were going to win a championship.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're going to win 57 games next season. Uh, I think you got to give Brian Shaw a little bit of wiggle room, don't you? I mean, he's got to have some time to figure out what they're going to do and how to use those guys.
1: Yeah, well, he's asking to be judged by playoff um, success. Right. So.
2: All right. One other thing about the Pacers I wanted to mention, the, the, if they move Stevenson to the bench, I mean, that was their one of their big issues last year was their bench was so bad. Now they've got Chris Copeland who can score with his eyes closed. They've got uh, C.J. Watson, C.J. Watson, who's like a, a legitimate point guard who can come off the bench and play. Uh, if you got Granger or one of those guys coming off the bench, I mean, they, I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year, and they were good last year.
0: I, I like what they did, and I, I'm serious. I have a, I have a good feeling about Danny Granger and Paul George playing together this year. To I me, mean, they're going to be, a, they're be give team fits. The one thing I'm curious about, one of these guys who, like Lance Stevenson, one of our favorite guys on the Hangtime Podcast, what does he do in a refigured role? Like, his, his role right. is going to be completely different this year. He does have Larry Burry coming back, a guy who's championed his cause before in Indiana. But where's he at, you know, and you know, just between his ears in terms of what they're going to ask of him this season?
2: Right. Yeah, you know
0: that could be a that could be a wild card for the Pacers. They
1: too. lost Tyler Hansbrough as well, which is incredible energy off the bench. True, and on top of that, they lost two of their assistant coaches. So you got to think about the stability of, of of you know the voices these players have been hearing in their heads the last couple of years. They lost two of those guys, and and I just think there's going to be a bumpy start. I'm like not saying they won't finish strong. I just think it's going to be a pretty bumpy start for them figuring out who's, you know, who's team. Because look, Danny Granger missed the whole year. It was his team before Paul George took it over. I don't know how Danny Granger doesn't come back and still try to make it his team, especially in a contract year. I know,
0: but he he's got eyes. He had to see Paul George, like you know going to the phone booth and come back out an all-star, a different dude in the playoffs, he got to know. He has to know that this is no longer the situation he left when he went down with that injury. I mean, guys have emerged. I mean, you know, is this more Roy Hibbert and, and Danny Granger's team now than it, than it is David West and, and, and Danny Granger's?
1: Well, you just expecting them to just take a back seat?
0: No, I'm not expecting them, but I mean – you know, you got to look at the situation. He's a 14 million
1: dollar guy. Why would he just take a back seat? Why would he not come and still do the same things he was doing before? Which, any time the ball's in his hands,
0: try to score the basketball.
1: Because there's
0: a dude on his team that can do it better.
1: But it's not him, and it's not. He's it's his free agent year. <laughs> and what? What were you saying? He could do it better.
0: I'm saying Paul. You, George you're saying Paul
1: George can do it better than Danny Granger. Absolutely. And what are you basing that on? <laughs>
0: Uh, everything we saw from Paul George this past season and in the playoffs against LeBron in the Miami Heat. Okay. I just wanted to know what you were basing it on. That's all. <laughs> I mean, we saw. Listen, we saw Danny Granger in that lead role two years ago against the same Heat team.
2: Rick, and one thing worth one thing worth. He wasn't
0: nearly as effective as Paul George against LeBron in the Heat.
2: Okay. Okay. One thing worth noting, Granger's an unrestricted free agent, but but Paul George is restricted next summer. Right. So there's a chance that they make the qualifying offer and he plays it out to become unrestricted. There's a chance that he goes out and gets a restricted thing that they match, but I, I they're a little it's not like they're both completely unrestricted free agents next summer.
1: Well, speaking of unrest speaking of restricted free agents brandon jennings got the same problem
0: yeah 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 that that's a strange tale like i know you you know him well i mean do you think this is a case where brandon jennings is you know is maybe getting caught up in the swirl of hey you're a restricted free agent and you may want uh, a certain kind of contract and and it's just not there i mean that market just doesn't exist for him
2: I think a little bit it's the market, but I I have not spoken to him. I don't. I don't know his thought process on this. The one thing apparently he hasn't
1: spoken to anyone.
2: Yeah. The one thing that, uh, you know, I saw a list today of the players. I think only four guys have have taken the one year, restricted. You know, took the qualifying offer. Okay, here it is. Four players. This is from the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only four players drafted in the top ten have signed qualifying offers for the one-year deal where then they became unrestricted the next year. The four guys who have done it, Ben Gordon, Stromile Swift, Ray Felton, Michael Olo with candy. Ooh, so the there's candy not a man. there's not a great track record of, of taking that one-year qualifying option to become unrestricted because you're, you're basically betting on yourself for that one year. Right. Uh, you definitely
1: don't want to go the way of the candy, man.
2: The, the, one, <laughs> the one thing I would say is that, when Brandon, remember when he came out of high school, he bet on himself and went to Italy for that year. Yeah. The first guy who had really done that. And, and he made it work. He, he, he pulled it off and was a pick, you know, by the bucks the next year, uh, it was a lottery pick. So he, he, he's bet on himself before and, and it worked for him. So I, I don't know what he's going to end up doing this summer. You know, maybe I'm assuming now that Ellis is gone and now that they don't get Jeff Teague, Milwaukee. It seems like that's a pretty good fit for him back there in Milwaukee with, with Larry Drew running things. But I don't, I don't really know how it's going to long term. What's, what's the answer there?
1: Well, uh, well, yeah. is the, is the kid out of, uh, Europe, Europe, uh, Gian, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. What position does he play?
2: I think he's a big man.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: All right. Yeah, I think that. Part of Brandon Jennings' the dilemma with people with Brandon Jennings is he had such a fantastic start and you know to his career you know made a lot of noise his rookie season, but the Bucks and this is by no fault of his own if you ask me, but the Bucs never took another step. You know they made another playoff appearance, went out in the first round against Miami, but they never seemed to you know they never crafted a team with him as the catalyst to me that would allow him to showcase himself in the ways that we all know Brandon Jennings believes his talents could be showcased. And I don't know that restrictive free agency is the, is the right time to, to put yourself in that kind of light and whether he has or not, there's that belief out there that he thinks he's a, a max player, which what dude doesn't think he's a max player half the time, you know, um, or that he thinks he's worth this, that or the other. I thought, Brandon Jennings had a good season. Uh, you know, I don't think it was stupendous, but I didn't think he had some awful season where you know you look at it and say he's not worth an offer sheet. There were some offer sheets handed out this summer that I that I thought were ooh, you know, that's that's some serious cash or you know contracts got thrown around the guys that I thought hmm, that's a little more that's a little more money than I would have thought this guy would have commanded. I'm I'm sufficiently stunned that nobody has laid an offer sheet at Brandon Brandon Jennings' uh, doorstep. At this point of the summer, even if it was something like what Jeff T got from from Milwaukee, you know, I, I'm really surprised if that hasn't happened.
1: Hey, could he all, could he go to China for a year and, and come back and be unrestricted?
2: No, I think he'd have no, to. You still, still have to still, play out the year here. You got to play out that Milwaukee? year. The
0: okay, so, I got you. But the weird thing is, what would you, what were you going to do if you the Bucks if Atlanta hadn't matched that offer sheet on on Jeff T?
2: Because then you have well, then you I guess they,
0: they could to try go. to
2: they could try to do a sign and trade or something, with yeah. Brandon. But they they ran the risk of ending up with Teague and Jennings next year. Well, well I
0: think that if I'm Brandon Jennings and the Bucks that sends me a clear message, right? About what the Bucks are thinking or what they you know
2: totally it, yeah, it, yeah
0: it, it's a matter. weird it's a weird thing you know it, it's a strange setup because. Did you, like, making, did you think the Hawks were going to match the team offer? Like down to, I know it didn't go down to the midnight hour, but it was it was late on the third day when it finally got announced.
1: I thought they would have matched it. I just was surprised that, that the Bucs did that.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I mean, only because it really did exactly that. It sent a very clear message that you're not our point guard, Brandon Jennings. Yeah. Right. But it also sent a clear message to everyone else in the league, which is, this is what we think of him. So, right. now, now how do you sign and trade? And get something of equal or better value. If you're saying basically he's not worth even eight million dollars to you,
0: yeah. I don't know. What is, I think I think Brandon Jennings
1: as a point guard could return at least a, a, a player of uh, you know of that range, eight to ten million dollar range to you.
0: Yeah, we got to look. I mean. The cont- Let's think about the contemporaries, though. Think about the other young point guards in the league. I mean, I wrote about this the other day. John Wall is coming up for the possible extension. What do you do with a guy like John Wall? You know, do you let him play out to the point where Brandon Jennings is now, or do you take the, those last forty nine games we saw from him last season, extrapolate, and then offer him a contract that you think is commensurate with a guy who could? <laughs>
1: I'm offering oh, John Wall. I'm years. offering John Wall four years, thirty-six million dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, so you- right at the training camp, and I'm saying, "Hey, brother, do you want to be rich? Maybe
2: slightly underpaid, or do you want to play this out?" So you think he's worth almost half what Josh Smith got from the Pistons? I'm just telling you what I would give him. <laughs> well, that's what you're saying he's worth then. <laughs>
1: to me, to me, on a team that's not very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, look. If if he was a game changer, like, uh, like you know, we he may think he thinks he is, then the, the wizard. Actually, you know what? I take that back because the wizards actually did make some noise the second half of the season when he was healthy. Yeah, when he was. They were five and twenty-eight he had, he had without him, and four him, four with him. Okay, 25. so I would give him four years, 44 40, 40 million maybe. Hmm. I'd give him the eleven million. But then that's what right. Steph Curry got. And Steph right. Curry's a friggin... But Steph
2: Curry's underpaid.
1: Right. Agreed.
2: Now, I would slot
1: him in between the 36 and the 44 and give him 40... I'd give him $10 million a year. Yeah. I bet he wouldn't turn that down. I don't know. I think it's he would tough, turn him like that down said, as a first contract. A first kind of big contract.
0: Because if you're John you, think you, probably, you probably think, hey, I'm a franchise dude. And, and we've run big. into this a lot the past few years, guys, where you look at the draft class and two or three guys get big extensions and other guys play
1: it out. Well, know, That's just what you said. Who's played it out and actually succeeded in playing it out?
0: I know. Most I, guys I won't
1: turn down that first big contract like that, man. They'll take right. it and they'll go, you know what, let me get this security. And then four years from now, let me prove I can. You know, I can go get that max. I mean, remember when Mike
0: Conley got his extension and everybody's eyebrows went up? Like what? Yeah, yeah. he got what?
1: He got like fifty or something.
0: No, he got like 30, he got 30, forty. Forty. But I mean, it was it was seen as wow. That's a lot to give Mike Conley. Well, it turns out it's pretty good deal. Same with Ty Lawson, Drew Holiday. You know, I mean, I think. I think a lot more often than not these guys tend to outplay that that first extension that that looks over the top at some, you know, to some people. Yeah. He did that's a, a lot of those guys He did, did
1: a 5 year 40 million dollar deal, 8 million a year. Yeah, that's that's
0: a good price. An yeah, see, and price. if you got Mike oh,
1: Conley my in the Western Conference Finals starting point guard, actually top 10 point guard in the league, come on man, if I'm a GM, I'm arguing I don't think you're better than him.
0: Right.
1: So why am I gonna give you more than that? So I give you something close and I, I, I can I challenge you to say no. And any smart agent will say to their, their client, Look, man, take this forty right now, let's get an out after three, and let's go back. Play play a solid three years and let's go back. I
0: agree. I mean I don't I'm not arguing with you yeah. on to- I just think it's interesting because players often, and Rick, tell me if I'm wrong, but don't players often look around the landscape and say, okay, well, who are the other guys at my position? What are they making? And I'm, if I'm better than this dude, I should make more of each should And that's really not how it should work because every free agent summer is different. Right. The available dollars are different. The teams that are out there chasing players are different. I mean, it's, how do you, I know that's what they think generally, but that's hard to do if you're the team. Like you gonna hold me hostage based on the, what the free agent market looked like for
2: point guards two years ago? Right. Um. Um, you know, I I talked with John out in uh, in LA right after the season, uh, where he was doing his uh, thing with Adidas, and I, I was I was really impressed by him. You know, two things that he pointed out were to me that number one he worked he said he worked really hard last year on his like communicating abilities and trying to figure out how you can talk to different guys, which guys respond to different forms of, uh, of talking to basically, you know, he, he said he put a lot of thought into it He thought about, all right, this guy, you can like kind of light a fire under him. This guy, you need to approach him a little bit, uh, you know, uh, more gently and it depends on the time of the game and all this stuff. And and then he also talked about when he was injured last year. um, I don't know if you guys remember, he traveled with the team, throughout his injury and was on the bench for every game um, and did his workouts on the road for every game. But he wanted to be on the bench and be a part of what they're trying to do. And I, I, it was those kind of little things like that that kind of made me think, well, th- he does care about building this team and, and being a leader. Uh, you know, you see guys who get hurt who, who don't travel with the team, but he he was there for the for the whole thing. So uh, I was pretty interested in him. Good for him. Yeah,
0: forty-two million. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna have this. We're gonna have this price like all over the place. Like, what else can we throw in there to sweeten the pot? Yeah, Lang
2: will give him two million in his contract, and Rick will (laughs) give him a guest shot on the Glades on A and E. There
0: you go. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe he'll come to Hollywood
2: next year with (laughs) Kobe. Do
0: you think the job of being? Do you think the job of figuring that out, like being a, a front office guy? And trying to figure out where players fit salary-wise, young players fit salary-wise is easier than the gambles you take in free agency on on a, on a proven player like Iguodala, like you know him going to Golden State. You know, it ended up being a sign-and-trade, I believe, after they offered him a contract. So you know, to me, those guys are harder to gauge in terms of what they could be worth the next four years. A guy who's eight, nine, ten years in the league than it would be for a young guy. I, I would think that a young guy like John Wall with all his potential, barring injury, has a chance to be as good as he's willing to work to be and as good as the situation around him that you can build could be. I don't know. I mean, to me, a guy like Iguodala and even Josh Smith to an extent, those guys have played so long in the league, the ceiling and, and the mystery about what they might become over the next four or five years is really not there anymore.
2: Right. Right.
0: You're paying, for, you're paying for something you already know what you're getting as opposed to that box of chocolates that, you know, you never know what's in there once you crack it open.
2: You're getting cost certainty, which is what – it's a hard thing to get in pro sports. Yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe that, maybe that consistency or that certainty is worth a little bit more than, than other guys? I don't know.
0: I mean, you mentioned, you, you brought up a good one. Seth, you know, Seth Curry is a, is a prime example. Um, of a guy who, you know, remember when he signed his deal and people were like, ooh, I don't know, the ankles you know, the injury issues, this, that, and the other. Then he, he goes out and blows up has his monster season, kicks, you know, kicks butt and It doesn't look nearly as questionable now. Even, even though he struggled with the ankle in, in the playoffs, the, the contract doesn't look nearly as risky now that you've seen him play through a season of it than, than, you, than it did when he got it. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's underpaid
0: <laughs> until
1: he until he gets hurt.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, it's just a it's a hell of a situation for a front of officers around the league to wrestle with. Because man, valuable players when you have them under your own umbrella and you can set the price for them basically and restrict your free agency before the market has it has its chance to really you know, go for a free-for-all. It, to me, it was a lot like what, uh, and I hate to bring his name up knowing how Rick loves his name, but thought a lot like with Dwight. I mean, what do you think Dwight, uh, you know, is Dwight worth a max deal every summer no matter what? In You know what I'm saying? At this stage of his career, like, it wouldn't matter who else was in the free agent pool. I know we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast where he would rank next summer, like behind LeBron, but ahead of Carmelo. And he guys. got, He's,
1: hey, got, his his, his worth is the same, right? Hey, Sekou, Um there's a really good summer league game to start. I got this app for $4.99 <laughs> $4. $4. <laughs> um, on NBA Summer League. Still and um, I'm going to let you guys <laughs> talk about Dwight Howard. Um, oh, out. I'm going to go watch this summer league game so that I can feel like really well prepared for the regular season next year.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a total, total cop-out. Don't try it back up. Not <laughs> Your favorite Four, you know, 499,
1: thing. man. That's a
2: bargain. <laughs> same
0: deal. I'm serious, though. Same, that cost certainty, Lang. Same thing. Yep. You know, just yep. Like, same thing. Just,
2: just like we're certain Rick has to leave at 2 every week, so.
0: <laughs> oh, you better believe it. I, I knew I wasn't going to rope him in on, on Dwight. I tried, I tried my best, so everybody <laughs> knows. I tried my best to get him. To get a uh, get another classic, get off my lawn rant for my resident, you know, a resident uh, I gotta Grand Turino man, I gotta Rick find Fox. a
1: new lawn trespasser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's get out. Let's go watch some summer league basketball. Everybody else, tune in to summer league basketball on NBA TV. See if you like it better than Rick Fox did since he bats on summer league on the show today.
1: dollars <laughs> ninety nine. Get your summer league NBA tournament style, baby. <laughs> Haterlicious is what it is. Uh, Lang, that's a chance for Dwight Howard to get a championship for playing similarly. Oh, league.
0: Listen to this dude. Hater Vision. <laughs> Hater Vision, baby. Fellas, uh, <laughs> so let's, let's do this again next week. I'll be in Vegas. So we're going to you know, somebody will call and wake me up now. It might be a little early where I am next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see you next time right here on the Hang Time Podcast.
1: Later. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening
1: to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com.
0: And as always, Sekuna Matata!